Welcome back, everybody. Episode 167 of the Lookout Podcast. I am Mills. I'm here with LJ Elric himself. We are back. We're here. <laughs> We're in the world of alchemy. We're in the world of alchemy, man. I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest with you. You don't um, know how you feel about alchemy? What would your alchemist I, name be? I wouldn't have one, just in general. Just seems like a bad thing to mess with, and just in general. I don't know if I would have a good old 18th century ass, 19th century ass name for this. Um, you wouldn't be the the big buff alchemist? No, they already have one. All my is already <laughs> pretty much there um, throughout this series. But with that said, I mean, we're here. We're back. We promise you guys full metal alchemist brotherhood. We are talking about arguably what people dub the greatest anime of all time. People have said this. Um, I'm one of those people us. who have said this thing. Um, I really like this. It's very, as we progress through, I will let you know if I hit the point where I feel like we're entering greatest anime of all time territory. Um, but currently my favorite is still Attack on Titan. So was it, what was the moment for Attack on Titan where you're like, okay, this is the reveal, trans- the reveal? The reveal of, 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 um, Bertold and, uh, and, and Reiner. That was pretty, like, it was good. The first season was good. Don't get me wrong. Like the first season getting there, learn about anything. Like, even if it did wrapped up there, I would like, oh, it's pretty good. But I think the, the reveal of Reiner, because I legitimately, like, I didn't read anything. I didn't see anything. All the stuff I did read, I didn't understand. So, like, that legitimately, like, shocked me. And then kind of, like, as they just kind of noticing the world slowly beginning to open up a lot more. Definitely, like, made me, like, oh, okay. Like, this is, this is fucking awesome. But this series, I remember... So this is the second anime I've ever watched. This is what I say in like the lookout era sense, right? So back in the day, we were only doing Dragon Ball. And we were still doing Dragon Ball as I watched this, to be honest with you. Just kind of like a for those who don't know, but like you probably should know, we were doing Dragon Ball for like the first like 49 episodes of this podcast. And Jeff would tell me, you should watch Full Metal Alchemist. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll watch it. Like I had my, um, it was a holiday break. I took off from work. I said, okay, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to watch this. So this is like legitimately like in the lookout era of things from 2018 to now where where realistically, like my only source was truly Dragon Ball and Pokemon. This was kind of like the next one I picked up that was completely different than everything else. I didn't even really want to watch it. Um, but I, after being like hassled for a long, 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 long time to watch it, I decided to pick it up. And I forget the point where I feel like this series was awesome. Don't get me wrong. It's, I think these first 10 episodes that we're going to talk about are like amazing. They're really good. Yeah. They set um, the scene that's it, it, the way they're able to set the scene and also the, the way they're able to balance the flashbacks and the current. I, Gotta give him crazy praise. But continue, my friend. But also, I feel like one of the best parts about watching it then was not having 
40,000 people in my ear telling me that this is the greatest anime that's ever existed. <laughs> and I think because my really only source at the time was Jeff and it was you also. Um, but we hadn't like known each other, known each other when I started watching this, but, um, my source, I didn't have to go through the, I didn't have to go through what Kev on stage is going through, right? Like where he's asking people to list out anime for them. And to be honest with you, that might be the worst way to experience any anime or get recommended any anime is to ask on Twitter and having thousands of strangers tell you why you need to watch a 2003 version before you watch this version and all this other stuff like that and try to school you and try to like anime you and try to like, you know, like that might be the worst way to watch. It. And I see now that he started Haikyuu in One Piece and which was, I told, I mean, I don't know him personally, but I said, he gave the option between Haikyuu, One Piece, and Mob Psycho. And I said, watch Mob Psycho. And he put up a poll, and Mob Psycho was winning. And suddenly, that's just not what he's watching. So I was just like, you know what? I don't even care anymore. Um, <laughs> but um, I think with certain things, uh, with, the, with an anime as like heralded as this, as popular as this, as uh, critically acclaimed as this from the people, and and I guess, you know, um, very, very just popular in general. I think what bested me and what got me into this was the mere fact that I had one person who said, you should watch this. One person that I really trusted, whose opinion I really trusted, told me to watch this, and I'll watch this. Um, I would love to know your origin story of how you watch <laughs> Full Metal Alchemist, if you would like to share uh origin story tsunami was like the first time i really kind of figured out what it was but it wasn't until maybe 2019 2018 was it, it was around there i just like watched it online i was just like fuck it let me just watch the whole thing i never even went to like full metal alchemist either i just watched brotherhood and that was it no, I didn't watch the original. I still haven't watched the original. People are like, how could you have not watched the original? It's really easy. <laughs> yes, it's so easy. I, I watched the, I watched the superior version. That's yeah, I watched crazy. the latest version. I haven't watched the original Hunter Hunter either. I appreciate like the art style of the time. I don't even know where to find the I don't even, I don't even know where you can find the original Hunter Hunter. Is Let it even see. online available to streaming? I'm gonna keep it a buck. I honestly don't know, but I feel like by the end of this, AD is going to tell us where we can find it. Um, we need to have AD on here. You know how on uh, is it PTI part in the interruption where at the end they do all the fact checks at the end? I mean, if he edits this podcast one day, if he ever chooses to edit a yeah. podcast of ours, he can always in <laughs> he can go through the footnotes and just be like, um, yeah, this, this, that, the third, this, this, that, and the third. Um, shout out to our third co-host, Police. You already know. Um, sponsored by, <laughs> actually not sponsored. It's sponsored by, by City Jobs. Sponsored <laughs> by City Jobs. <laughs> the NYPD dance crew is nuts. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter. Um, no, I have not. NYPD. So there's this clip going around 
of the local news station promoting New York, <laughs> the New York City Police's dance crew. And everyone is just like, so we closed libraries on the weekends and had no extra money to fund schools because they wanted to have a dance crew. Um, what if so they were everyone, the Jabberwockies the whole time? No, they are pretty terrible. Like, you actually have to see the clip. They're, oh, <laughs> they're It's not fire at all. Um, but to be honest with you, if they're, uh, if they're dancing, I guess they can't shoot us. I don't know what to say. Um, but so your, your thing is like, just watch it, Toonami. What were your kind of like first thoughts about it? When did this become the greatest of all time to you? And I, I just want to say before we get into this, right? This anime is pretty old. Um, it is not new-ish, like the stuff that we've covered before. So I'm fully saying, if you want to spoil stuff, we can spoil stuff. Because I think we're talking about this. While we're going through in sections, we're talking about it as kind of a whole. And like this period piece kind of thing. So I'm not... It's like one day when we go through Attack on Titan... I'm we're talking about Attack on Titan knowing the ending. That's just how it is. Um Yeah, no, for sure. Uh and that's how I feel about this. I feel that that's how I feel about a lot of things that we will cover in the future on this <laughs> on this podcast. Of things that we're pulling out is not like anything, once again, recent or new or anything like that. Like these are things that have been established and I'm talking I'm talking about this series from a perspective of a of a fan that's already watched this. You know what I'm saying? So it's like and it's cool going back on this rewatch because now I'm really, really catching even just like little things that I didn't see before. Like there's little hidden parts. Like there's a part on um episode, it's maybe a little farther, like an episode or two before or where we're ending because we're covering episode one through ten. But there is a part where you see um Alphonse and Ed's teacher and her husband walking in the background somewhere when they're at the train station like you see oh really in the back yeah there's a there's a really cool scene where you see them walking past they don't show their head they don't show their faces but you see their bodies and like that has to be episode whole- five where they are at the train station <laughs> it may Maybe. be Maybe. yes because they're meeting armstrong yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, armstrong at the thing and you see them walk behind and it's really funny and it's really cool. Look at that. I like Little tidbits. That. Also, there's another really funny thing in episode two. Um, there's a there's a really great sample there, and I was wondering if you caught it. No, I didn't. Please, uh, please indulge me. <laughs> when we get into this, we'll talk about the music, but please indulge me. The the Dave and Central C Trojan Horse song, they sample the uh they sample Trisha's Lullaby, which is one of the songs on there. They sample that. First Look at part. that. Huh. Okay. A little anime. Listen, pop culture. Listen, this is this is what this is. This is all the things that make a great anime great anime, right? Like how it penetrates yeah. pop culture. Dave and Central C, if they're watching Full Metal Alchemist, clearly we're doing the right thing. Um, or at least if that producer gives a fuck about it. I maybe they don't give a damn. Um Listen, this is this is real mandom uh, anime. <laughs> I'm fucking crying. Real, real over, real overseas, real overseas anime, baby. Shout out to our um, brothers across the pond. That's funny as fuck. So, 
we'll say this. I'll go into this saying I've never watched a 2003 one. Maybe we'll watch it at the end. I don't know. But also, I don't know where to find it either. So <laughs> if we don't get to it, we just don't get to it. But um, are, are you okay? Are you reaching the point in your anime watching life where you're like, hey, I'm not finna. If it's not on streaming, I'm not finna be dealing with crazy hentai pop-ups on a third-party website just to watch things anymore. I, I think so, I'm getting past that part. So Once Kiss Anime I got, have, got shot down. I have, so I use, I will I will tell you what I use, right? So I use the website Kick-Ass Anime. Um, and I don't use it for much things, to be honest with you, because most things are on streaming. So it just is what it is. But I remember when I was watching, I mean, the new Pokemon anime, you can kind of watch it there. There was also this other, what's that, um, what's that anime manga, the one with the weird creepo guy who can't die and the girl who can only oh, kill people? Oh, Undead Unluck. There you go. Um, so originally I was watching on there before I legitimately got tired of the series and did not want to watch it anymore. <laughs> Which I know I'm making a big mistake, but... Maybe I'll just, I mean, it should be dubbed now. And it actually should be probably the core. It's probably over, to be honest with you. Um, but I was watching on there because it's not on Crunchyroll. Um, what they've done with this website, Kick-Ass Anime, um, is that, first of all, I have the pop-up blocker on. But also, it will continue it without without me having to get up, which is a big deal. That's like a big fucking deal. Because when I watch Hunter Hunter on Kiss Anime, I had to get up constantly <laughs> and remove 80,000 pop-ups to get to the next episode. And it was actually, it got me out of like this vibe where I was like chilling out watching it and always, and every 20 yeah, minutes I had to get up, skip the, the intro, skip the, the outro. It ruins the flow of everything. It completely ruins the flow when I got to consistently click. And don't you mess up and accidentally like not click the X and like click just right or just left of it. And then next thing you know, you actually clicked on the ad, and then next it just goes all haywire. It's bad. I've, just, it's I've started bad. taking my when I um using my the Mac Mini with the, my two screens. I legitimately now take my mouse with me, and I'm just like, okay, whatever. I'm just gonna take my mouse with me, like it's a remote. Um, but no, I feel you. Luckily, this experience, I would say, watching on Crunchyroll, they don't have the skip intro for this one for whatever reason. Um. But the theme song is really good, so I'm kind of not mad at all. Um, the theme song is actually incredibly fire. Now that I think about it, because I don't, rem- I didn't, didn't remember it when I was first watching it. Because I think I first watched it when it was on Netflix, and I would just skip the intro. Um, but yeah, the intro, the the fucking opening theme for this, I have to actually find what the opening theme is called. Um, it's fully fucking fire. And shout out to whoever did it. It's um it's again by Yui. That's what I'm gonna assume it is. Yui. Um fucking fire Yui. You got a classic on your hands. Like it's amazing. Um So, like I said, didn't get into this. I haven't watched the 2003 version, never read the manga either. Um, even though now that I, in my research for this, I'm going through this and realizing what is anime exclusive and which is not, um, <laughs> which is apparently the first two episodes are anime exclusive and the manga starts at episode three. 
Um, but this was also produced by Studio Bones. Shout out to Studio Bones. I think they're having like a 20th anniversary, 25 anniversary, something along those lines. There's a documentary that's airing about them. Um, I think it's airing on Crunchyroll. Um, Studio Bones 20. It's a four-part Studio Bones. Oh, Bones 25. So 25-year anniversary. Um, and it's a four-part documentary. It is not in English, but it is subbed, I'm assuming. Um, but they have that going on for them. So Studio Bones, man, listen, how could I ever hate on them? They created My Hero Academia. So, <laughs> and other fucking important shit as well. I think it's also like Cowboy Bebop and a bunch of other probably way more classic um, yeah, anime. but who cares? My hero yeah. academia, right? There you Am go. I right? Am yeah, I right? I, listen, I didn't want to say it, so I'm glad you did. Um, funny as fuck. Uh, <laughs> let's get into this as we uh, this anime itself. I like one of the things I ask you, or one of the things that we shared. Uh, we was texting back and forth. I was like. This anime would be so much more serious if it was created in 2024. Like, there's a... It it reminds me kind of of what they've kind of done with Chainsaw Man, right? Like, Chainsaw Man, in a sense, in the manga, when you go through the manga, there's very serious points, but it's also like a kind of like slapsticky in a way. Um, because... What's my man's name from Chainsaw Man? Um, Ninji? Yeah, is an idiot. Um, and his friends are also idiots. But it's not the, like, big teardrop behind your head, people fall on the floor, people yelling at each other, obscene names, kind of like things that you found, like, in the late 90s, early 2000s anime. It's still very seriously driven, like an actual film. Um, and it kind of takes away from all the humor and stuff. What I liked about this is that there's a good balance of humor and seriousness. Like it kind of, it yeah. took me back to the day of like, oh wow, yes. Um, men and women did have battle of the sex battles and like would call each other dumbasses and sawed off short guys and all this other stuff like that. Um, so it took me back to that essence and I fully, yeah, fully love I, it. I completely agree. Like, I think it's a rare thing missing now is that balance of like humor and seriousness. It's um, probably in mash. It's probably in uh, Undead Unlock that I'm probably not even watching. Yeah, I'm not even watching it either. Um, <laughs> but no, I think with this though, I think with like even the story is tells and even some of the kind of like actual serious matters in which they touch on, you know, in, in you know, the Elric brothers story and all, you know, all that, like they're doing with some real shit, you know, and there's some real emotion in there. Um, however, like you said, though, they're able to kind of balance the, uh, the humor in it with, even within the serious moments, even the running bit of like, you no, know, Ed not liking to be called short and you no, know, anytime it comes up, he, he kind of like loses his mind and whatnot. Like, even those moments, they throw them in sometimes randomly in the serious moments, but it just works. Um, and like you said, just the it, it feels so early two thousands anime, and like it has that same lore, it has that same like presence and feel, and something that you know I think that we're really missing now. Like you said, everything feels so serious, even like jokes that we probably once 
felt that hit. I think. I mean, I think that's like something that JJK kind of got that feel too now. Of kind of right. you know, you get those little like you said teardrops behind the heads, those weird like little quips and quirks, and those kind of back and forth where it's like okay, like I think that's why JJK is so well received right now because it really does bring back that essence and feel that I, we've been missing in certain animes now. Like everything feels either it has to go completely left in terms of seriousness, or if it's mm-hmm. gonna be goofy, it has to go so over the top goofy where you're kind of like okay, like does anything really matter? You know, like, as you're like, right. everything's treated as a joke. Let's get into these main characters of this series. Cause we're introduced to them before we're introduced to the actual story of them. We actually learn it. It's, it's one of the most in, more interesting things. Like they actually give us the backstory about them in episode two, as opposed to episode one. Um, because to be honest with you, episode one, if it started the way episode two starts with the flashback, it probably would have been like goaded first episode of a series that's ever existed but um, i think though i think it works the opposite way around because i think throwing you in this present moment you get introduced to all these characters in the you know in the in the present scene right where they're at now not only are you getting them now in their own you know personalities now they automatically kind of throw you on some like, yo, what is the government on right now? Like they start building some, you know, so you start getting skeptical of like what they really doing. So they really start building out this story. Like, like I said, off rip, like, why is this guy like, why does he not fuck with, you know, King Bradley so much? Like, why is he not, you know, like, why is he plotting against the government? Like, what did they do so wrong? So they really start building this out episode one. And I feel that they don't get that same, you won't get that same feeling, I think, if you start off directly with the Elric brothers' uh, backstory, because it really sets you so up with like understanding like there's a lot more at play than even just their backstory. Absolutely. So let's talk about episode one and the characters involved. Early part of this anime, who are the characters that stick out to you, and for what reason do they stick out to you? And it could be any reason possible. So. Um, I I'm gonna move away from from the Elrics right now because I, I, I feel you like can do, you can do that no 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 yeah look, no 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 no, Elrics, no. because no no because I I feel that we can we you can LJ really Elric right now come on I am LJ Elric let me talk about my brothers little let me tell you about my brothers a little later I'm not Drake I'm not gonna tell you right now let me tell you about my okay. brothers in a little bit all right I feel um, you um Armstrong for sure Gen- uh, Major Armstrong. He comes Listen, in. Man. Oh my, bro! That's all I said. I was like, "Why does he come in so crazily like all my, like, bro? Like big, we are here. I am here. Energy, big, like I'm here to save the day. Energy, I love it so much. And even on the second like rewatch, I am, I enjoy his character now way more than uh i did the first time like not to say i didn't enjoy him before i really did but like now i'm like oh this guy is like he adds so much to the story i really love um no armstrong for sure and uh mustang was cool but like i wasn't really you know for me when i first saw general mustang it was just kind of on to like okay he's probably just some hot shot no when you first get introduced to him you're like okay he's you know He's good at what he does. Like it's very obvious how they're building him up. Um, right now, I think the but I think the Freeze Alchemist, like kind of like their first villain, for the simple fact that it's like 
he has this real motive that you that really starts once again starts setting the tone of what is going on with the government what is going on behind the scenes that got this you know this, freezing this state alchemist. alchemist going rogue you know what i'm saying yeah the freezing alchemist where it, it got him going rogue already it got it's him like, going um, to, the, to the prison to talk uh you know got him going to prison to talk to the crimson alchemist about joining him and his in his whole mode you know so he's really like the first villain first person that really sets like i said sets the tone of there is something so much deeper and more at play that we just don't even know yet and you're just like it's like you're immediately locking in for the ride that this show brings you on it's there's a lot of things first of all it introduces you to the entire setting that we're at due to all the transmutation circles that appear all over the city so you're introduced to the setting almost immediately you go through the city you see all the out you know all the state alchemists you see the main villain kind of running at hand and then you're seeing how every character comes into play and how they react to it right like um roy mustang's character and then you like you know his uh his um his lieutenant uh lieutenant hawkeye who is pretty much like the charlie baltimore to his like biggie or something along those lines um <laughs> you get um of course the elric brothers who were like non-stop they clearly have a motive. They clearly have a purpose. They're moving in that kind of direction. The person who stuck out to me the most appeared at the end of the episode. The Fuhrer himself. I cannot the think of... So- yeah. Someone who clearly... I can't think of someone who clearly gave off villain vibes. <laughs> then. <laughs> Because once you like see like there's something and it, and it and it becomes a lot more like clearer once he shows up. He shows up again after the um, after they face the two steel guys at the end, and he just pops up out of nowhere and says like, you know, I just wanted to see what's going on and I just wanted to hear what's going on. I was like, bro, you're giving up major like villain, and also like Mustang doesn't trust him. All these other things, like I was like, bro, the villain vibes are heavy with this. Like I've played many Pokemon games, and they usually introduce the villain really, really early, even if they try to like subvert it. Like the chairman at Sword and Shield, I'm like, oh, yeah, come on. you're clearly something's up with you. Like, see, it, you're not all squeaky clean, especially if you're in control of this. And then it's like, even in the you look at Attack on Titan and kind of like the general mcgath you know commander mcgath over there and like you can tell people's hands aren't squeaky clean um especially with like even i guess his even voice itself the voice actor in him um who's playing him it isn't very his character isn't kind of happy-go-lucky his character doesn't seem to be like really working with people it just seems to be giving orders and finding information i'm like all right bro you're you're giving mad also, you got an eye patch. Right I mean, like, that's how true. many good guys do we know with a good with an eye patch? I don't know. Besides Slick Rick, I have no idea. Um, so we're introduced to all these people initially, and then in the second episode, we get the backstory, which is a nuts backstory. Um, so to kind of summarize it all, I mean, they're sitting on the train because they're trying to. They were their purpose is to find a philosopher's stone, so they can get Alphonse, the big metal man, his body back. Um, because initially they were kids. They were kids. 
they lost their mother, their father, again, the trope of anime fathers who just never show up. Um, I wonder if Japan culturally has that problem. Do they not have present fathers over there? I don't know. That's a good. Or do question. they have? Or is it like a Travis Scott thing where like they actually really do all have really good dads and they're just kind of like, they're just asshole kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so they became very very skilled at alchemy at a young age, and the mother was very much impressed. But due to some rampant illness, um, the, was the illness ever found out to be like something like more demonic or something along those lines, or was it just like a straight up illness? I thought it was just like she just overworked. And she was just sick. Oh, okay. I th- I didn't know if it's like, you know, sometimes in these stories, you attack on Tyan. She was meant to die from the beginning kind of vibe. Um, oh, yeah. No, 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 no. Nah, it was like real deal. Okay. Shoot illness, um, as we say in the wrestling business. Um, so she passes away, <laughs> but the the kids aren't satisfied because they have no father. They have no mother now, and it's just them. And now they're taken in by the Rockwells, um, Winry Rockwell and Grandma Rockwell. Um, they're Rockwells, right? I'm bugging, right? I'm not bugging. Uh, Let me see. I'm trying to. I'm trying to see if I remember the name. Yes, Rockwell Rock is also Win- Oh, Rock Bell. Okay, Rock Winry Bell. Rock Bell. Okay, I'm thinking of R&B uh, Rockwell. Um, but the Rock Bells um, actually take them in. And over time, they, you know, um, improve their alchemy to the point where they're like, okay, let's get to this um, human transmit. It's a human transmutation. Um, yes. Where they're able to bring back the body of their mother. So they do that. Boy, is it like, it's one of those things. They would show this. Parents would show this to kids just to say, like, see, this is why you listen to your parents kind of vibe or listen to any adult kind of vibe and don't start doing anything else. Because all I could think about this is if I was a kid watching this, I would be like, fuck, I'm going to go listen to my parents forever. Um, they try to go for the human trans human transmutation. It does not work out. In fact, it is the opposite of working out. Alphonse, his entire body gets taken um edward his entire he gets, body uh, he gets, gets digitized pretty much yeah in the back in the digital world of this uh, at this yeah, point he was back um, in the digital world man <laughs> when his body turned to little squares i was like oh this is big digimon um he gets taken to the another universe essentially or the gate where he meets this like very mysterious figure who calls himself god um and says essentially, like, if you want this information, you're going to have to give something up because with alchemy, it's never, there can be no creation without destruction. Um, it literally tells you in the opening things for every episode. Like, that's actually pretty good to know if you need to know the quick plot of, like, how all um, all this alchemy shit works. Is that they tell you for the first 15 seconds and then hit the song. Um so he learns so much about it, but he realizes that to learn all these things, he has to lose some things, and he's losing his arm and his leg, and then he says, stop, I don't want to learn no shit anymore. This shit is crazy. And he gets thrown back into the world, so now he's missing his arm and his leg because he had to give up his arm and his leg to learn much more about alchemy in this instance. Um, so then uh, he's like, fuck, I've got the stub of an arm. I'm bleeding out all over the floor. Um and he's like where's my brother oh my god my brother didn't get back like i lost my brother so he does 
was this called? It he draws a blood rune on an empty vintage set of armor. Um, and begs, I like how they just had that in a had just had that in the garage too. Well, you know, could have been a chair, could have been anything, man. Could have been a tenga. Could have been. But I'm anything. saying though, just to just to have a have a whole set of armor just in the in the garage, just chilling. It, it could have backup, been anything. Some backup armor. They could have done the shit that they did in Bleach, where they turned where his soul was now in a, a an acute uh bear, uh, teddy bear, teddy bear. Yeah, oh, now now would have made this even more lit. Yeah, or what they did in you haven't watched Yu Gi Oh to this extent, but what they did with Tristan in like season three, season four of the show, um, but. So they get it back. Eventually, Commander Mustang is like, I don't know where he got the tip off of someone was using human transmutation and stuff like that. Maybe, you know, his uh, his alchemy senses were tingling. Um, him and Hawkeye show up. They pull up to the crib and they're like, yo, something went down here. Um, kick in the Rock Bell's door. It's like, where are these kids? And they see the wheelchair little boy with the man made out of steel and they're like wow you know fuck what you guys been through this is impressive as shit do you guys want to join <laughs> you want to become state alchemist um shout out to mustang that's a driven man right there hey man listen you stuck to the he's trying to find to out dumb. a lot about, about this as as much as anybody else and essentially promising them that um this may lead them to, or at least they hope in this instance, this may lead them to finding out a lot more in order to get Alphonse's body back. Okay, um, so do you, you're, you, you, you understand King of the Hill? And of course. So yeah. The moment of the, the moment of Mustang talking to Ed. And he's just like, listen, you're gonna like the military can offer you all these things and these resources. Like, you're gonna sit here and pout, be a little bitch, or you're gonna get uh -huh. on, you know what I'm saying? You're gonna get on your one leg and you're gonna figure this shit out. And da, da, da. the funny thing is that right before I watched that episode, I watched the King of the Hill episode. Remember when uh, <laughs> Peggy was trying to learn how to walk again? And oh, yes, Hank's of course, dad, the classic the military. <laughs> yes, the, his ex dad was trying to teach her how to walk. It was, you, you don't deserve to walk. And that's how, like, watching those two episodes back to back, it was just really funny because I was just like, I got the same feels from both Hank's dad and uh, Colonel Mustang during that point. It was, well, yes, absolutely. And um, shots King of the Hill. Um, either it's they come, the Elric's essentially like, yeah, we're going to do this. They get him with a, a new arm, a new leg, and he's now he's got the cybertronic, you know, uh, arm and, you know, metal leg. And he's now he's fucking cool as fuck. And now there's a whole emoji for him that we will be abusing throughout this entire thing. Um, and, you know, he demonstrates to get to the state alchemy license, he demonstrates his power to, of course, King Bradley. King Bradley is like, I like this guy right here. Let's do this. Um, and now he's, you know, state alchemist. And now he's like, he's like, um, what's my man name in training? He's like Denzel Washington in training day now. That's essentially what he's like now. Like he goes in and make sure that he holds down the law. And he does that in episode three, which is like that, technically the outright start of the show because this is where the manga begins 
um, if you care about the stuff like that. And he pulls up because there's a shady priest doing all types of shady stuff in the neighborhood. You find out he may have a philosopher's stone. And they're like, oh my God, he got the philosopher's stone. And he's like, no, I fucking don't. And then they eventually reveal, yes, you do have the philosopher's stone. And then they have this big old brawl where he lets out his metal arm and the shit is fucking fire and all this other stuff like yeah. that. Shout um, out to the priest with the blick. He was yeah, like, hey, right? Some, uh... Get with God. Like, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not who's get with God. Scar is who get, get with God, for sure. Um, yeah. But you get the real kind of like, intri- after that, I mean, you, you learn a lot of things in the first episode. You learn even more in the second episode. Episode three is where everything starts to make sense in terms of their journey. And now you're on that ride with them of like, how do we continue to learn about these things? And they're demanding the philosopher's stone, but the philosopher philosopher's stone feels like the it's fake. Stone. Yes, of course. Um, it breaks. Um, and they're unable to do anything about it. Um, but... Um, the the end of the episode of episode three ends with essentially villains being introduced and we're introduced to um which one is it gluttony and is it envy um no yes it's not envy. no lust lust there you go gluttony and lust gluttony, gluttony is lust. terrifying for sure dog gluttony what? Is, he is any i think just in general any villain that eats humans or just, just like eats people and like that's their thing it's yeah. a very unsettling thing yeah it's nuts his design is nuts too it's very like yeah he essentially he, he looks eats. like evil winnie the pooh yeah <laughs> they kill um they kill the the, the priest and gluttony eats his body and that's essentially that and then we get to episode four so episode four gets its own section of this because it is the episode where it's the episode this is where this is the turning point you turn forward or you turn back and that's really (laughs) yeah you either turn off or you you, you keep pushing forward it is uh, episode four i think episode four was low-key a little bit more unsettling to watch now was it because the gimmick of it is ran the course for me for so long that i'm like okay it is what it is now well because you gotta think when they start this episode right like obviously you meet you know you meet the the man the myth the legend himself shout tucker yes and it's like first of all Shao, this episode would be a like shout tucker would be a great svu episode let's just get that out the way now (laughs) Amazing episode of SVU right there. Come on, some some real. Um, I'm sure yeah. it is an episode of SVU. I'm sure it, it really is. might be. I got I gotta I gotta figure out what it is. But no, that's a that's a good Benson trying to find a you know the clock ticking down. They're trying to find a missing kid before it gets transfigured into a a, a chimera. That would be a fun episode, right? Um, but no, like. His name in general, the Sewing Life Alchemist. Like from from that until I'm just like that shit is. It was just unsettling because I think like like you said, there are certain times and just certain things where you just know like this person isn't a good person. And you kind of like, off the rip get that feel about him. I'm like this so, is not a good guy. 
Um, so here's my first experience watching this episode, because I remember it specifically, because this is such an unsettling, weird thing. I didn't see it coming at all. I don't know who would, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know if you could see it coming. And if you did, you're sicker than you probably, you're sicker than Show Tucker himself. Um, Whoa, I didn't, on me. I mean, I didn't see it coming at all. <laughs> so when... They introduced it. I'm thinking they're like introduced to this guy who's going to be part of like he, he you no, know, he's just some guy who's going to help them along their journey at various points, provide them certain tools, provide them other things. You know, that guy in the one RPG who you go to is like, I need to um, upgrade my armor. It was like, well, do you have thirty six thousand experience points? And they're like, yeah, sorry, we'll trade it for that. That's what I'm thinking it's going to be, right? So. He gives him access. He's like, oh, you guys can use my tools. You can always do my thing. Here's my daughter. And current day now, before I go back to what my initial thing was, um, current day now, um, all I see when I see his daughter and that dog is Anya and Bond. (laughs) And (laughs) how this is like some alternate fucking spy family universe where... They just are adopted the terrible parents, <laughs> and this is exactly what happens. Maybe that's sick of me, um, but I digress. Um, so, essentially, they hang out with his daughter. They hang out with the dog. I mean, their wife has died. They talk about the wife has died. I haven't watched much SVU episodes, so I usually don't know. Like the big red flag is like. Man, dad's still alive. Mom is dead. Um, that's usually the big red flag for any. And then, then even before then, he keeps bringing up his wife left, and they already talked about him making a Camaro that talked before. That's how he got his state alchemist license that he was he presented. I thought he was just. I thought he was really G at it. I just thought he. (laughs) I just thought he he kept saying while his wife was gone, and I was just like, huh, okay. Hey man, listen. Uh, terrible circumstances will probably bring out the best in people sometimes. It's like Usher with confessions. You know what I'm saying? I thought he was on that kind of vibe. So, again, you learn about his wife. You learn about these things. The daughter's like, I miss my mom. Um, the the right. The state alchemist shows up to the house and essentially like, you got this minute you got you know you got to make sure that you get your like accreditation or something along those lines like you need to do it and they explained to them that his last experiment didn't go well so now he needs to be able to renew his thing this year and this is his last opportunity before he loses his license um he was on and then his, they come uh, he was on this young boy nba he was never broke again he ain't trying to go back <laughs> so he like, shows no up and noodles for us we heard the, they show back up again, and at some point during this entire thing, um, Ed is like, something fishy. This don't seem right at all. Um, and so they go back to the crib, and they're like, tell us about your wife. And then the eyes thing happens. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. the evil glasses jazz happens. Because he's showing them the chimera. He's like, listen, I've got my chimera here, and I'm going to win first prize. 
and the chimera says um what does the chimera says calls ed big brother and he's looking at the chimera chimera looking back at him he's looking back at the chimera chimera looking back at him um and you realize it's like oh this he is the sickest bastard that's ever existed and he tells ask him about his wife and stuff like that and now he's maniacal because he transformed you the slow realization that he used his daughter and the dog and fused them together is some real sicko behavior and i would have killed him on the spot there but i guess he works for the government so he can't just like kill people off rip um that was sick to me. I felt sick to my stomach the first time watching it. Do you know what makes I, it even like more morbid? Like, morbid. There you go. Thank you for that word. What makes it more morbid is that during that moment when Ed snaps and he starts punching Shao, when the the Chimera goes like, "Daddy, like don't hurt, like Daddy's hurt, like don't hurt Dad." I was just like, "Oh my!" That's like a gut punch. Like it was yeah. like. Like, it's not even sprinkling salt in the wound at that point. It's just like, they're just dumping it in. <laughs> I'm going to keep it above with you. It don't get worse than that in the show <laughs> from that. Like, it doesn't get... This establishes that things are, like, very, very real, and you're going to be in this line of work, and you're going to see things that you don't really want to see or experience things you don't really want to experience. And yes, a bunch of people die after this. But still... It's the this scene remains the most infamous scene of the entire show for a reason. Because I think it's it just the, it's just the uncomfortability. Yeah, you know, it's just very uncomfortable. It's a, like you said, it's a sick, morbid thing that he does, but like it really sets you in this world of a hey, sick and morbid things happen here. Like you know, like it's like it ain't we not doing this alchemist shit for funsies. Like right. there's real, you know what I'm saying? Like this is real you know, actual, like I said, actual things Absolutely. are happening here. This was Absolutely. a heavy episode too, because we, we get introduced to, we get introduced Scar. to Scar this episode also. Hey man, he's been going around killing state alchemists just for reasons. We don't know the, I mean, I think they established, we, we get the reasons later on, essentially that like there is this big war, um, they were sent into his home country and they essentially committed a genocide. The government committed a genocide of his people. So now he's out for a kind of revenge and people out here. So essentially they say, I'm skipping to like the next episode, but it is what it is. But Scar shows up, sees these, it tells them to get with God. <laughs> and yeah, completely, he's, he's big. Get with God. Yeah. Um, he says, as an alchemist who strayed from the path of God, he must die. He places his right hand on Tucker's face um, and destroys his body from the inside. He also sees Nina, which is the weird dog chimera thing, and also kills Nina, asking her to go in peace. Um, he says a nice little prayer for both of them after. Absolutely. Get with God. because And God, can you let them in? Just, I know they were tripping. I don't know about both Have of them. Don't let one of them in. <laughs> let the yeah, dog and the, and the girl in. Don't <laughs> let the child Tucker before you start fucking up your, you know, sanctuary. Um, and from there on, I think the show, I mean, once that kind of like sets the very heavy tone for the show, the show starts moving in its direction because now you've introduced um, 
you've introduced the conflict of like, okay, you have this guy going around killing state alchemists. You introduced the plot of the Elrics, like we have to find a philosopher's stone. You introduced the plot that there's something with the government. Roy Mustang is kind of like, he's skeptical on, um, and he wants to find out what's going on. And also he has these like intentions of like taking Bradley's place. Yeah. Like he has his own political aspirations. Um, once again, it's just like a bunch of motives are really set in place, but also to they don't all the motives don't feel disconnected from each other. Like right. you kind of you're kind of like okay, although they're all kind of chasing separate things, like some there's there's a string or something that's connecting them. And right, and then of course, just, no, go ahead. go ahead. No, I was gonna say then you have like the villains in the shadows operating yeah in the shadow yeah they're pulling their own little strings and so you're starting to understand that although things may seem very individual they're not like you said they're connected in all this you know in this big web and you're kind of and now your mind is going okay like what are these little nuances now that are happening what is happening here now that connects that you know like now you're really trying to start putting all the pieces together because you're like no like although this may seem a little separate but somehow it's connected or tied into it and i think they do a good job of like kind of keeping this veil of mystery on Mm -hmm. certain things but also revealing enough to you where you're kind of like you you can feel the anticipation of like something else is coming Episode five is essentially the the where we a lot of things are like coming his own internal struggle, Al, with kind of like everything that's been going on, everything that's happened with his family, and like kind of things that are going on, and then they run into Scar, who is big get with God. Um it's time to continue to get rid of these state alchemists and he's doing his best that he can. I mean, he's running in there. It's giving me big stain vibes. Um Catches them in the alleyway. He destroys um, Alphonse. He destroys, uh, you know, Ed's arm, and he's about to put them down for the count. And then the rest of the state alchemists show up. Oh yeah, they surround him. Got the got the blicks on him. Armstrong, no shirt, no shirt in the rain, knuckling up like a real man. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. That's how you do Um, it. No, no shirt in the rain, baby. I don't care if I catch this cold or not. This is where I see, like, one thing that also stuck out to me is how much Hawkeye is down from Mustang, essentially saying, like, listen, your alchemy does not work in the rain. I don't even know what the fuck you were thinking. To the point where she, like, she steps in for him to um, attack Scar, knowing that, you know, she's still, like, civilian. She don't have no alchemy on her, but she's still doing the damn thing. And again, yes, that's where Armstrong shows up and fully, it's like, damn, this nigga's strong. Um and before he can get like truly arrested or anything of the rest, Scar escapes. He is wounded, but he escapes. And it's the harsh realization that Alphonse and Ed have where they have their little conflict of like, listen, you can't if you die you can't die. You can't you all, know what I'm saying? Like he's like all what is the for fuck nothing. Are you on? Like you're not Magumi. Like you need to live <laughs> to see this through because I don't have a body. And I'm trying to figure out what chopped cheeses taste like or whatever it is. I'm trying to experience the simple things in life. And you dying 
will make sure that I am nothing but a metal body for the rest of my life. So you got to keep What's the going. first thing you're eating if you lost your body and regained it back? Because, you know, um, he has a running list of all the foods he wants to eat. What's the first thing? Might be oxtail rice and peas. Uh, cabbage on the side. Might be one of those. What about you? It's Yours is a sandwich, I'm sure. <laughs> no, it low-key, it was going to be, like, around the same thing. I was going to say either jerk chicken rice and peas or the pollo gasado maybe man listen yeah huh. it's one of those two I mean, it was gonna be a chicken for sure i just didn't know what kind of chicken and it was gonna be kind of a chicken and rice situation i don't right. know what type of chicken and rice situation though but chicken right. and rice um so scar he get he, he gets with god somewhere else um but they're oh, like oh god and no and, and last thing that i, I uh with with these last two episodes four and five one cool theme that is between them it kind of really once again sets the tone for a lot of this series is this um is this argument of like god and science and i think like that is, plays another big role in this entire series mm. where it's like edward is so like like i'm an alchemist everything kind of has a rhyme or reason to it like i'm a scientist like we are our right. goal is to kind of push these boundaries of like what you know these physical forms. that's what alchemy is based on it's based on this kind of this this natural law of life of you know every everything is secular everything's connected and all this and then you have these people who believe in this you know this higher power of this higher purpose of like there are just some things that may just be unexplained in this world or you know that only god knows or you know there's you know we go through these moments and tough times and um i think that this thing of once again god versus science like do we believe in the unseen or do we only believe what is told to us? You know, like I think this, the, these kind of battles that they have with it are really fun. And once again, just ties into this overall story of really who has this power to do what we, you know, like once again, like the big reason why Ed and Alphonse lost their bodies and all that is because they attempted to play God in a situation. Mm, um, absolutely. And, it, you know, they attempted to play God in a situation of bringing their mom back. And for Ed, it's like that moment didn't really change his thinking. It just kind of changed uh, it, to him. It was like a hypothesis where he's like, okay, I got to just re, I got to reconstruct it. Like, you know, it may not, it may have not worked that time, but after he's seen the truth, he's like, so it is possible. I just have to tweak what the fuck I did beforehand. Right. Some people would have been like, hey, man, I'm done. Hands off. Hey, listen, I learned my lesson. Like for him, it's more like, no, there's something deeper here that we can find, so, you know, for him in the, in the name of science, in the name of alchemy. Um, but I love these kind of like, once again, these kind of battles of, you know, of thought that they have throughout this series. I mean, Scar is another really big one when you continue to watch his story unfold of like his feelings towards god and whatnot because although he's he, you know when we first introduce him and he speaks like that about kind of like god forgive these people or no whoever like when you hear him talk about his own self and his own path he has a completely different tone of god and like what that means so it's like really cool to see those two um those two ideologies like go kind of head in head and how they do that throughout this series too so post this 
they're continuing to try to find out more about the Philosopher's Stone. They come in contact with Dr. Marco. Um, they get there, essentially. They We also meet Winry, um, you know, the older version of Winry who repairs um, Ed and Al. Um, and they're trying to figure out, essentially, like, what goes into creating a Philosopher's Stone. And eventually, Dr. Marco, after initially he doesn't, you know, trust them eventually lets them know like hey all my notes all the notes about it are going to be at the first branch of the national central library um where the notes were hidden they get to the library it's burned down because lust had to burn it down so they could continue to like keep the secret of all these things going on um luckily they meet this girl Sheska who just happens to have this photographic memory of like all these things that are going on. And she literally transcribes the entire set of notes. They go through the set of notes. It goes through days and they find out the truth behind the truth, which is that the most important ingredient for a philosopher's stone is humans. Who could have thought about it? Who could have seen that coming? Um, Who knew you needed a life? for it to, to take lives who could have seen that coming um so i know at some point during this i'm like again i have no notes during this i'm just letting you guys know <laughs> i literally don't have any notes it was also like i watched it i watched it again and i was just like okay i think i got a general gist of like what's going on here but essentially like there's more information to be found at the fifth laboratory. And of course they're like, do not go to the fifth laboratory. Shit will happen to you. They're ready. People after you, they're ready. Anyway, they go, (laughs) they go and they run into number 48 and 66 or these two. um, What are they called? Uh, Talking about all they're like, they're like, Oh, uh, Alphonse just sold yeah. bonded to a, a suit of armor. There you go. And they have their battle and they're going through their thing. Um and so we learn that Alphonse really got hands. Yeah, he's the most handsiest guy of them all. He um, was like it was like I spar with a guy like you all the time and I never beat him. The next thing you know, Alphonse is just putting the works on uh Barry the Butcher. Lust and Envy show up dispose of both of them before they can kind of disclose about like what happened to them like essentially because that's another mystery of like how did they end up how they ended up which lust and envy are like if they find this shit out like there's too much like we got to do too much footwork to stop these niggas from learning out this damn secret um they also like begin to destroy the laboratory um Number 66 runs off. They go off and um, they run away from the exploding laboratory. And then we get into episode nine where um, they all show up at the hospital. Winry shows up at the hospital. They meet everybody. They meet, and someone who we haven't talked about is Hughes because we're going to save him for the end, essentially. But like, Lieutenant um, Colonel May Hughes, who, I mean, we might as well talk about him now. Um, great guy. 
seems like a great guy who loves his job. He loves his wife. Shout out to Chance the Rapper. Um, yeah, he's the he, original. I love my wife. Yeah, absolutely. Loves his family. Loves all of the other stuff. And I was like, they're driving this pretty hard. Like, I remember it. I, like, I was like, they're even more so now that I know what happens. Um, I was like, they drove this pretty hard, like a big part of his personality type and maybe a little bit of a grounding factor when it came to all these other things um, is how much he loved his wife and how much he loved his family and how Roy Mustang had none of either. Um, And (laughs) it kind of like was this, I think this opportunity for maybe some of Mustang to rub up on, rub off on him but also more opportunity for Hughes to rub off on Mustang of like appreciating kind of like, don't take everything too seriously. Like you're doing a lot. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Sometimes life is just about like enjoying things with the people that you love, but he doesn't know who he loves. He doesn't have anybody that he loves. He's a soulless, uh, speakless renegade who's out here trying to do his job and save his own land. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, What happens afterwards? Um, Fuck, I forgot. Um, So, um, yeah, they go to the fifth laboratory, and I think like that hospital scene is like the big one because at that moment, that is when a lot of what you know, Ed and Al. One thing I really love about this series is that Ed and I are, they're our main protagonists and they have their oh, right. own. Right, his existential right. crisis, have... yes. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> yes, that too. Yeah, that too. That was, I think that was a really heavy moment, a really good moment too. But they have their own, um, they, they have their own mission. They're trying to, like, the big mission is Philosopher's Stone to get our bodies back. That's it. That's the big reason why they yeah. even became state alchemists. They're just like, listen, we just need the fucking resources and the time to be able to do this. Like, I, we don't, they don't care about anything. They don't even really care about what the what the tag of a state alchemist brings them. Um, but they get tied up and brought up into this world, into this system, into all these things that have obviously started to bring them a lot more trouble uh, as they continue to dig deeper in their research. But like this, after after the fifth laboratory and kind of like after the whole dark uh dr marco thing it becomes um that you know this is like the time where like a lot of their own motives kind of get revealed and they kind of start dragging in other people around them of what they're doing like a lot of them don't mm-hmm. even know that alphonse is a is a soul tied to a uh a suit of armor they just think like this you know some kid obviously some 14 year old 15 year old kid is just walking around in a suit and armor all the time right. um but they start kind of getting tied in. So now, you know, Armstrong knows of like the Philosopher's Stone and what goes into it. You have these two other people who are put on them to be lookouts, those uh, two lower level soldiers who are now starting to figure it out. Um, Hughes is getting in on it. And now more people are kind of knowing these things. And now the more people are knowing, although they're trying to keep it under wraps, it is very apparent. They're just like, okay, more danger is, 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 coming around the corner right especially when right. you have king bradley when he popped in once again i love king bradley so much as a villain because although they don't reveal him to be who he is at first and you don't really figure it out until later in the series um it shows anytime very his presence is around though yeah. yeah like you know anytime his presence is around you're kind of just like what the fuck is up 
Like, you know, like, why the fuck are you here? You know, yeah. that's the only thing you think in your mind of just like, what is this? And, you know, he and it's pretty menacing, too. Like, you know, obviously he's he holds his, you know, his position, but it's just like his overall presence in general is kind of just like things kind of stop a little bit. Things get a little bit more tense. You know, you're kind of like, all right. You know, your, your shoulders are pinched back a little bit more. You're kind of like, why am I so on edge? Um, and I think he does. And I think one thing that he tries to do a lot is like kind of redirect in terms of like, he'll be very serious and be like, oh, I'm just joking with you. And then, you know, I got to dip out the window and jump out the window because my, you know, so he tries to do these things to kind of throw off his scent, but you still kind of get this feeling of like, okay, like, there is, you know, once again, when he's around, there is a there's another level of energy that is that is in the room that's present than when he isn't. Um, but I just feel like after that fifth laboratory, especially now you got you're meeting all the homunculus, you're meeting, you know, uh uh lust and you're meeting um Envy uh, well, and uh, Envy, yeah, yeah, you and Envy, and they even even uh, Envy's kind of bringing up like the you're an important sacrifice and just kind of saying it, leaving it in the space, but just not really explaining like what do you mean you're an important sacrifice? You know, even uh, yeah, like Envy even carrying it out and just giving them to to Al and them, and then just disappearing from the shadows. So these last couple episodes, uh, you know eight nine and they know even moving on to 10 it's really like you're starting to truly understand once again they do a good job of kind of ramping this up in a way that that is very you know the the stakes get higher in a smooth way but you're kind of starting to understand now of like okay once again i even something that dr marco just brought up and another thing that comes up a lot is like the truth within the truth of like the deeper you get to where the real truth is like the more dangerous and the more like crazier things get and the more like you're kind of like what the f-? like you know that doesn't even make sense like even then when you figure out like okay the philosopher's stone the humans are a big part of it they're like okay if the government was behind this where the fuck are they getting all these humans to make them then? Oh shit, the prison. The prison is located next to this factory here. So they're probably, you know, so it's just like once you start kind of the more they dig deeper, the more you're kind of like, damn, there's a lot of kind of crazy and morbid things happening around this piece. And but it's that's just like the charm of the story that gets you so drawn into this, like you're trying to figure out this mystery with them. Right. And 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 it's Hughes who has this kind of like first real not first real realization, but has this like aha moment where he's, you know, struck with like, oh, wow, these attacks are all happening in certain these places and all these other stuff like that. And he's getting closer and closer to the truth. And it's only then that lust eventually shows up and um, she attacks Hughes. Um, it's implied that Hughes wins the battle because he essentially is the one who escapes. Um, but uh, eventually... They, he goes to the phone to try to call um, Mustang and has to give this whole entire code. He's like, yo, who do you think you took, bro? I am Lieutenant Hughes, man. Yeah, he Uncle, was like, Uncle. crazy. <laughs> um, he went crazy. He was like, who are y'all talking to? Do you know who I am? And then Envy shows up disguised as Second Lieutenant Ross. But Hughes is like, you ain't got that mole that you got that you supposed to have. Like, I low-key haven't been checking you, but I low-key been checking you. Um, so you don't really have that mold there. So he really, he immediately sees through this entire thing, transforms into Envy, 
kills him right on the phone as he's speaking to Mustang. Literally a scene later, they're at the hospital. Well, no, in in the second scene, they're talking about um, Benry, um, Ed, and Alphonse are all talking about their experiences with, you know, Hughes and how great he's been to them and maybe they should do something as they return, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, they bury Hughes and his wife is there and his kid is there. And it gets that epic moment where um, the greatest moment, the greatest moment probably in the first season. I'll say that it's so unintentionally funny also, but it is great. Say the line. Do you remember the line? Um, He's like, it's a terrible day for rain. Oh, yeah, it's a terrible day for rain. What do you mean? It's not raining. Yes, it is. <laughs> and and starts, one tear flows down his cheek. And, and then she just like, goes, oh, okay, it is. <laughs> I was like, you just playing around. But, um... Oh, man, what a great it's the, it's that It's that death that only truly makes him very very clear he needs to go with going he needs to understand what's going on and that's why he's heading to central and that's why he's transferring to central and he's going to investigate like why this actually happened so yeah i mean he eventually he meets up with um what's the man's name armstrong who can't really tell him about things that's going on but he's kind of telling him things that's going on um and he's like the reason why he hasn't told he can't tell me things are going on is because someone above him is telling him that he can't tell him things that's going on, which he assumes. I'm assuming. I'm assuming it's it's Bradley. Um, he's like, listen, I'm gonna find out what's going on. I'm gonna find out why they killed my man. And then Fifty Cent's Many Men, you know, plays to end the episode. He's like, Many Men wish death upon me. Um, I can't lie. If the if the opening pianos for that started playing when he said the it's a bad day for rain, uh, <laughs> scene, what a what a big pop would have hit big ten pop. times harder. Ten times harder. Um, ten times harder. So that's definitely where we're capping off here, and it's a good way to cap off because we're introduced to a lot of things, and it's clear it's clear why this story is as great as it is because there's so many different things that are going on at the same time that eventually will intersect. Um, and it'll all lead to one thing that happens at the end of the story, but we're still learning things. We're still experiencing things. And we're, the more we're finding out, the closer we get into it. And we just see, we just saw essentially the, the, um, not just the result, but the um, punishment for learning too much or getting too close to the truth. You you know, Icarus flying too close to the sun and getting his wings oh, yeah, essentially they chopped off. The uh, they did the Icarus um story. Ed does it in what's what episode is that? <sighs> Fuck, what episode was it? I think it was I mean, it's a it's a it's a metaphor for a lot of these things. You know what I'm saying? It's a it's a it's a metaphor for a lot of these things. Um, what episode did they do it? Was it three? It, it, it was three. Been. It was three when he's talking to the girl. It's in the it's in the uh, when he's talking to the girl in the church, and he talks right. about 
there's a story about someone flying with wax wings and flying too close to the sun and his wings melt. And like, yeah, I caught that little hint. I like the story of Icarus is one of my favorite uh, Greek mythology stories. So, well, listen, again, the Icarus right here, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. So we're ending right here. I'm assuming we're going to do another 10 episodes. I'm not actually sure. I kind of want to, it's got to end at another big moment, but we also don't want to just like go willy nilly, but let's assume another 10 episodes. How about that? Um, Cause there's a lot of stuff going on and we're learning a lot more. And now we just experienced our first major death in the series and it's getting lit. Um, it is guys. and i like the fact that like last thing before we get out of here with the deaths in the stories and there's gonna be a lot more of them um obviously you know because of for whatever i portray everyone thinks i just truly love violence for the sake of violence but listen but, we didn't just come up with that ourselves i'm just letting you know oh <laughs> uh, but one thing I really do like about this show, and I think once again, is what makes it the GOAT because I feel everything is done with such a, a, a real intention. It's not like, oh, it, you know, it's not the gay game formula where you're like, I'm going to kill him because it seems fun and it's going to make the story fun. It's like, no. Hey, man, I was told to shut the fuck up about that. <laughs> hey, wait, it's great. It's amazing. Don't get me wrong. It fits for that one. It doesn't fit sure. for this story for the simple fact of just like, with good stories, every, yes, every... it doesn't fit with good stories for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh, whatever. At least they're at least they're not scared to actually I mean, make a death real. <laughs> uh, it's just, it is at what least it is, they're bro. not scared to, to at least Amen. pull the trigger. Amen. There's a certain mangaka that likes to shake his hand every time it's. <laughs> Amen. The ending is fire up to this point. We losing people in Listen, the ending. So all, all I'm saying is that. There's a certain mangaka that hits the tray and wants to get out the car. But um, not this one. Huh? Get, not the greatest story. Not, not the greatest one. anime. No, not the not greatest, not the greatest anime that's yeah. ever been told. No, no, that doesn't Yeah, happen. not the greatest. No, no, no. That doesn't happen here. He doesn't get out the car because he's very intentional with his death. Like, even uses death is really, really intentional and they make you feel it. And you're kind of like, okay, once again, they're showing just how dangerous the truth is and how dangerous it is the closer you get to it. Um, I think Hughes was like uh, the the perfect character in a, in this situation to to die because you know he's a beloved character and he's so beloved that this death like legit it's what lights it reverberates. Must yeah, be. yeah, like you feel it. You're like okay, like every like the whole everything has changed. And I like the simple fact too that right now like you know Ed and Al don't know about it so you, there's so right. many little once again nuances that you're kind of like okay this really means something and there's like a true intent behind like what this you know what this is about and yeah, the death how, truly how confirmed right the, the the death truly I mean not that he didn't think anything was happening before but the death truly confirms from Mustang that something is happening so that is a death that means something if I do say so myself and that is all that I will say about it. Sometimes that sometimes you gotta kill people, and when they kill people, hopefully they mean things towards the story. That's all I'll say. Um, yeah. But with that, okay. Said, last question. Last question before we leave. Okay. Today. Okay. Okay. Auto mail. That's just tight, ain't it? Yeah. That's just looking kind of hard. I feel that we really put our resources in science towards AI doing some crazy shit like this instead of making really bad. Packed your star drinking lean uh, memes. 
um you could be really doing something. Auto mail is tight as hell. I think that's just like one of the coolest things about this entire series is the auto mail and like the technology that goes into it. It's tight. I'd get a robot arm if it was real like that. I would hope you wouldn't, but if you do, real, cyber, just in real, case. real cyberpunk shit. <laughs> Facts. Um, with that said, thank you guys for tuning in. Of course, you can continue to listen to this every week. Follow the Lookout RNC on Twitter. Follow us at the Lookout on RNC Radio everywhere where you listen to podcasts. Um, yeah, we're gonna continue the story next week, and we continue the story until it ends. It's the greatest anime of all time, and we're gonna figure out why. Um, but until then, thank you guys for tuning in, and we will see you guys next week. Take care.